0: When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Pablo, we're back for more torture about the cartel and driving in Mexico. All <laughs> T- right. Tell us more stories. Well, what we were talking about how they worked and how they chose their,
1: their victims and how they moved down market when it all started. But I think one of the the best things that um, your audience might enjoy or might, might use to advantage is how executive protection in Mexico has worked throughout the years to become probably one of the most efficient uh, programs or or most efficient uh, cultures in the world. Because as I said, there used to be about 2,500 kidnappings of executives in, in Mexico over ransom. 2,500? 2, 2,500 a year. Yeah. Wow. How long ago was this? Uh, that started declining in around 2010, 2011. Interesting. And, uh, and, but the actual, the actual pivot, uh or, or the tipping point was in, it was, it was, it, there was a big kidnapping. Of a major uh, business owner in Mexico, he used to own, uh, you know, the, the bank that preceded Citigroup in Mexico, right. which is now owned by Citigroup. Right. And uh, when he was kidnapped, he paid, and this is, of course, this is a speculation probably because nobody really knows what how much he paid. But mm-hmm. he he paid probably the largest ransom ever paid to a to, to a criminal organization in, in the time. And when he came out, people realized that something was wrong right that uh, it, it, we were not doing things right this could have been prevented and they started investing these these this organization the Venamex started investing in um, in finding out what happened so we started reaching out to the biggest uh, executive protection cultures in the world which was of course the American which was uh, led by the Secret Service kind of uh, you know kind of doing the way they do things we reached out to the to the British, which was also a big in, in the U.S. And I'm sorry, it was big in the world. And uh, they, they had been involved in a lot of uh, KNR, and And then we reached to the Israelis as well, uh, which they have a very big uh, uh, executive protection culture. But then along the lines or along some time, we started seeing that a lot of this didn't work or didn't apply to the reality of what was happening in Mexico. Uh, the 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 main goal of these executive protection programs was not designed to prevent what we were going through, because, I mean, let's face it, nobody else in the world has more experience in firsthand uh, attacks like Mexico. So. And and they were basing them, you know, their operations like uh, the the secret service is very big in protecting celebrities and and very very public people and avoiding, and you have you have crowd control and you have things like that that were that did not apply to Mexico, Uh, in the the Israeli kind of way was a bit too violent for what we did in Mexico and they were they were uh, expecting all kinds of threats because I mean they live in a different situation as well. So the Mexican culture of executive protection started developing back then and th- that started about in 1996 and started uh, evolving towards time because we actually we were actually facing this on a day-to-day basis. So we needed to know what they were doing, how they were picking, how they were choosing the executive. And uh, we figured out a lot of how, what was going on. Most of the information came from inside, from within the, the, the family. Sometimes these got sold in, in prisons and there was like a like a huge black market kind of like the like the dark web now where they sell everything the, the, the our we have our own dark web in mexico called uh, uh the federal the, the state prisons and the, the well wow. <laughs> no
0: and, way uh,
1: they sell everything you want they do yeah. so, wow, so crazy your information Let's say your your driver or your or the the maid or the or, you know whoever in in the, in the inner circle of the family sold that information for peanuts and that information ended up in in a jail somewhere. And somebody said, "Well, I, that's interesting to me." They bought it off of the of the jail, and then they went and they did their homework. Hmm. They started doing surveillance. They started doing you know corroborating that they actually and what the and, and corroborating that actually that family could pay what they needed to to collect, which was on average back then $100,000 for uh, in an average of 21 days. So they went out and they tried to corroborate that that with intel with surveillance with however way they could. Once they knew that they were that it was it was a de- it, it, it was done. or, or it was a, yeah it was it was a done deal that there was no way they could fail. They would go out and pick you up. So what happened with executive protection is they we started taking care of these families. They had $100,000 to pay so they could afford a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of executive protection. So we started taking care of these families and it started becoming a bad business for the criminal organizations. Then 2008, the Cardinals come in and they say, it's not worth it. I mean, we're, we're facing a very organized executive protection structure because a lot of the company, most companies in Mexico have executive protection and, uh, It's it's not like here in the US where, I mean, executive protection goes to the higher tiers. In Mexico, sometimes in in one company, you can have three different tiers of executive protection because they all need it. Sure. Right. And so it said, well, it's not worth it. It's not such a good business as it could be. So they started moving down market. This is a bigger market. They will pay a lot less money. And within a week they can come up with a thousand two thousand dollars if they don't if they don't have a not they really don't care they don't do a lot of surveillance they don't do a lot of homework because i mean if they take you for two thousand dollars your family is going to have someone they can borrow from they're going to have you know probably a car they can sell some 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 way to get about a thousand dollars to two thousand dollars uh within a week pay and then you get released so these kidnappings that happen to the executives in Mexico, they decreased considerably. Interesting. I would have never guessed that. So you can say that actually executive protection works. And that's 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 always a problem, right? Trying to explain (laughs) to people that executive protection, how does it work? I mean, nothing ever happens, (laughs) right? Is It's really working. Is it just luck? Well, Mm -hmm. in Mexico, it did work Mm. and it completely eradicated that niche, which was the worst uh, threat Mm. that our executives were going through. The really high niche is still there. You know, really, really high network, uh, you know, corporate, uh, I'm sorry, business owners and things like that. They're still at risk. They have huge Mm -hmm. uh, operations for executive protection. And that only happens once or twice a year. Right. Right. But the midsection completely disappeared. And how we did that, we did that through intelligence. A lot of intelligence went into it. We did a lot of training. And that's another uh, interesting part. The training that we were getting from outside, from Colombia, was very big and training. And uh, back in the days, but th- there were also different things they had to face, different situations, different realities. And we started noticing that one of the th- the, the the biggest uh, vulnerabilities, or the, the you know the weak spots of what we were doing, is the training that we were getting. Anybody would be a trainer. Anybody with like I, I was talking to a. a an ex israeli military he said that if all special uh, you know if, if all israelis in mexico that claim to be special forces actually were special forces there were none left in, in israel <laughs> so and th- and this was you know a very big political uh, figure for the israeli well, they- government in mexico yes okay and uh so i mean there are a lot of them there are but and then they were they were giving out this training and one of the big bigger question was would that training actually work when the moment comes mm and how probable what's the probability of you actually facing that moment of truth when you have to test your training sure and all right what how, how sure you want to be <laughs> that that training is going to work and where do you get the experience somebody that has the experience to that so i mean in our case we went into tra- into driving because driving was probably the one thing not not all let, let me put it this way not all bodyguards and or, or my, sorry i it's all right. Bra- brain risk. It's okay. <laughs> not all drivers are bodyguards. Right. But all bodyguards need to be drivers.
0: Absolutely,
1: right? hands down. And in Mexico, we have a huge amount of security drivers that are not bodyguards. And it's impossible to be both. And that's another fallacy that we had to uh that we had to overcome because people wanted their security driver to be a bodyguard. And you can't do two things at a time.
0: Absolutely. Right? Right.
1: So we started we, we went into driving because driving is probably the one thing that Everybody does, and that's smart. We, smart move. And also, there's uh, 20,000 20, 20, people were dying from accidents in Mexico.
0: 25?
1: 20, 20, no twenty thousand.
0: Twenty thousand a
1: year. Whoa, it's bigger here. Dang. It's a, in Mexico is a is leading cause of death for children under fourteen. In
0: accidents. vehicles.
1: In vehicles. In uh, I didn't know that. In, in accidents. So wow. We went into that, and then we had to figure out how we would guarantee that the training was actually going to be what they expected to be when they uh when they got into the situation right like sure. you come into into training and they teach you how to ramp through an ambush or throw through a barricade right right so we had to do that with brand new cars so we talked to a, one of our clients that a, a car manufacturer and said well yeah can we do this with brand new cars and they said <laughs> well we, yeah we have brand new cars that are going to be destroyed for uh, because they have some kind of a you know uh, uh, defect or something, and sure. they're gonna they're gonna get destroyed. So sure. you're welcome to come and try it if you're gonna train on our, our you know our team in exchange. So we trained our team, and then we real, we realized everything we learned doesn't work. <laughs> right? And we had the guys there of, of technical development saying, "Well, there's no way to do what you want to do because these cars are not like the 1986 car that you trained in. Uh. These cars are they they have a different goal. The goal of the car is to preserve." The integrity of life
0: absolutely not uh, to push through a barricade so there's no safety protocol really in that with manufacturing the new cars
1: yeah exactly well, They're
0: aluminum they fold
1: <laughs> yeah because they want to save your life in case of an accident and that's the probability of you being involved in an accident versus the probability of you being having to push through an ambush it's, i mean yeah it really does it, it doesn't happen the other one doesn't happen no <laughs> And, uh, Interesting. So, so we had to go through that, and we had to test all these these things that we were learning mostly here in the U.S. and, and abroad. Right. And most of those things, you know, the, the, what they call offensive driving, which I, I don't really know what offensive driving is. But
0: <laughs> you what, have an instructing score? No, that's funny. Well, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I kind
1: of like picture it, you know, somebody driving around flipping <laughs> Everyone, you have to be offensive to, be, to do that. Right? So if you're talking about tactical driving, it's nothing to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so, defensive driving is the way to go. You have to preserve your vehicle, and you need right. to know how to preserve your vehicle. And then the other uh, influence that we had to, uh, you know, be aware of was the movies. Hollywood was a big influence. I still hear it. You know, I, we go to trainings. We try to stay current in everything that's happening around the world. We try to go every training that we got invited to. And um, they still use a lot of analogies that come from the movies. And there's one thing that we learned the hard way in Mexico is movies are really bad teachers. True, very true. The, the, the job of the, of the studios in Hollywood is not to inform or to educate. Mm-hmm. The job of the studios is to entertain. And they have a little, very little time to give you a whole picture of what you need to understand so that the movie makes sense, mm-hmm. right? And that does not apply to real life. And we have people, like if we, if we told people, you know what, there's a bomb in the building, let's go looking for a bomb. And people start looking for that, you know, the ball with a, with a fire coming on top of it, or the, the red tubes with a, with a clock that has to go in, in reverse. You're never gonna find the bomb because that's not a bomb, but that's what they need to put in movies for you to understand, right? What happens in, the, in, in some movies.
0: Uh, it's like Sicario, we're talking about Sicario and all C- that kind Cicari's of stuff. is
1: a good of- movie because it's mm-hmm. very crude um uh, but still there's there's some rom- romantic uh plot elements that has to, to
0: it yeah because it has to
1: keep you entertained
0: exactly. uh entertainment keyword viewership entertainment. selling for dollars
1: otherwise how, how are you going to stay you know glued in, to the tv for two hours if that if that was actually what happened in in, in the streets it'd be boring <laughs> it'd be boring <laughs> like uh, we were talking uh, the, the the movie Man on Fire.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great movie. Denzel Washington, one of my favorites. When Denzel,
1: when Denzel Washington. There's a, there's there's this scene where there's uh, Dakota mm. Fanning, the the little girl, is at a piano audition.
0: Right. I this is that. filmed in Mexico,
1: and actually they hired uh, negotiators to to advise that movie so that it was as close to reality as possible. So she's in this in this piano audition. She's coming out, yeah. and Denzel Washington, her bodyguard, is exchanging fire with the bad guys, and, and he yells, run. she starts running. And they hit him, he falls to the ground, she loves her, her bodyguard, she goes back try to help him, that's where they grab her and, and take her. Right. If she would have taken a step back, closed that door, that would have been Hollywood's most boring movie ever. Because, it, and, and that's, that's how simple security is. Very simple. right? And that's something that we needed to understand. And we needed to take away you know, the heroic uh, the, the factor mm-hmm. from from the training and all that. We have to focus on prevention, figuring out what the risks were, if you're driving around with your executive all day what what is the risk of him getting kidnapped well it's very little right what is the risk of you getting into an accident and uh, him getting hurt that's a lot higher right but if we if i went out to mm. an executive protection team and told them that we were going to train them only in, a, in in accident avoidance as a security tool we would lose their interest because that's a risk that we don't really take very seriously mm-hmm. right we take the other one very seriously so we have right. to we have to figure out how to build all of this into a realistic training that would actually help them in the, in the moment where they needed to run away from that attack or that ambush mm-hmm. that they didn't get into an accident.
0: Oh, well, well explained. Right. A lot of details.
1: And in terms we, we work a lot with, uh, with companies that do shooting for instance, for, for example, and that's also a, a different thing. People want to learn how to shoot
0: an AR 15 and things we, like that. We can do that domestically. If you're American, you're not going to have that happen in, Mexico. Oh, no, no, no. Unless you have government approval if you're military. But and then if you're civilian, you're not going to be touching that. Yeah. You're not. it's not even relevant that. training. It's not.
1: And I mean, you're not going to have a, a chance to use it. I was I was no. hearing uh, I think it was Joseph Babu that said or, or, mm-hmm. or someone 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 like that was, was right. saying that the statistics that the Secret Service has never,
0: ever fired
1: weapons uh, defending a principle.
0: That's pretty darn good. That's good surveillance and intelligence. Right. So that means that the system
1: is working. Absolutely. But they have still have had some issues like when they when they shot Reagan.
0: Yeah, true. No
1: guns from the Secret Service came out. No bullets came out of those guns R- at all. R- By R- the time they actually evacuated Reagan, which was a very good reaction, mm-hmm. given the, the fact that they were not expecting it. Yeah. Um, the guns never came out. So you still train use your gun your weapons because you needed to know what to use them but you need to come to a realistic uh point of view and i think probably the best information that we oh, keep I going, down, keep I, going. Uh, the, the best information that we got for for that part mm-hmm. came from uh lieutenant Colonel dave grossman yeah yeah um we actually had him at one of our events oh you? yeah we brought him down so he, sp- he spoke for eight hours he said he, nice he's, he's probably the best speaker we've ever had in the, uh, one of those events and uh, his concept of lethal encounters or, you know, the psychology of lethal encounters. Right. That's how we learned that most of the training that we were getting was not going to work.
0: Why spend the money on something that's not going to work? Exactly. So be then real, world.
1: We have to reformulate. And our right. guys that do shooting, they have to reformulate as well. the guys that did, uh, mm-hmm. you know, surveillance, counter surveillance, all that, they had to reformulate as well because you have to plan for the worst possible scenario. True. Right. And that's so that's where, where the, the whole concept comes and how we we can actually say now that it worked mm-hmm. because now the kidnapping has gone down.
0: Awesome. You guys are doing a good job down there. And, folks, this is Pablo, and he's joining us from San Diego, and he's got business all around the world. Well, uh,
1: right now we, we have... Um, Mexico we started out 10 years ago doing driver training uh, mm-hmm. we're the largest ones in Mexico and uh, we started in 2017 here in the in the US and the East Coast uh, North Carolina and, and uh, we started on the West Coast as well we have it's a different company yeah it's uh it's not run by me directly but mm-hmm. of course it comes from you know with all the the background that we have in Mexico
0: and I'm I'm usually here Congrats on your success my friend thank you very much rocking and rolling So this is going to be our second uh, episode live stream on YouTube and uh, we'll be answering any questions that come up and um, we'll wrap this one up, but thanks for coming up Pablo and uh, Pablo is going to join me with a, uh, we're doing a podcast with uh, Antic CEO coming up here in another hour. So do you guys want to check that out? Please do and uh, check out his company, which uh, website of your company? It's as3driving.com. as3driving.com. And this is Pablo. And I'm Mark with the Fearless Mindset Mindset Podcast. Got a little tongue-tied there. And I also own uh, Ledlow Security Group. We are a security firm based out of Oregon. And I do stuff all over the country. So thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, we'll see you soon.